Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. First of all, I would like to thank Jesse James and Outcast for having me on their show, the Dangerous Info Podcast, on Monday night. It was a lot of fun. Great discussion. We covered a great many things, and I highly recommend going over there and checking that out. We talked a lot about the bread and circus distractions, of course, that are taking place, thinking multidimensionally about a lot of different things, political things that are coming up here in the future, in particular regarding the uh, Davos, Switzerland meeting that's going to be taking place with a bunch of the losers, of course, that want us to eat bugs and live in 15-minute zones and have everything be digital currency and control everything. So. Again, I think a lot of interesting audio is going to come from those upcoming meetings, but with that aside, I just again wanted to thank Jesse James for having me on. It was very, very cool. I like his show a lot, and he's been listening to my show for quite some time, and I don't do other people's shows, as you know, but I'll always do his, no doubt about it. So thanks again for inviting me, and again, I'll link that in the description below if anybody's interested in listening to that conversation. I thought it was very cool. And Outcast has some awesome stories, too, about individuals that he encounters and the things that they say and the things that he hears, and bringing all that together certainly matters. So with that said, speaking of different stories and individuals who have listened to the show and been a part of my show, I wanted to mention this also. I reached out to Paula, who of course has been a guest on the show before, and she's the former Canadian truck driver who was on describing the entire situation of what she was experiencing back during the the trucker strike and everything that was happening in Canada at the time. And I reached out to her, and of course, her son Damien and his girlfriend Stacy have been on the show, and Stacy, of course, used to work for the Canadian government. But I reached out to him and I said, hey, hope you're doing well. Let me know what's going on, uh, thinking about you, and... This is the response that I got back from Paula with a little bit of an update as to what's going on. She said, hi, Sean. Happy New Year. Maybe. She, th- she said, thanks for reaching out to me. I really enjoy your podcast and how you sit back, assess, and question everything. You and I are a lot alike. I enjoy watching the birds, too. She said, Stacy just submitted her official resignation to the Canadian government. She's been off for four months on stress leave. It was significantly affecting her physical health. Again, I immediately read that particular part, and I thought, you know, good for her because again, you can't you can't work somewhere somewhere else, and you can't do something else if if you're not alive. And if you work in a poisonous environment long enough, it will it will kill you. Uh, I know that all too well, and you know the, the the benefits of walking away from a particular profession, regardless of how much you enjoyed the job, uh, and, and doing your particular mission, whatever it may be, you know, if your health is coming at the expense of all of that, it's it's just not worth it. But I'm glad that she walked away, and I think there are going to be greener pastures on the other side, without a doubt. But Paula continued here. She said, I have a few examples of what is going on in our hospitals, and both stories are actually a little positive. My husband had to have cataract surgery back in October. No vaccine, quote-unquote, was required, although they were tyrannical in regards to the masks. The next story involves a co-worker. She was diagnosed with lung cancer in October, and assessments and appointments have moved along rather quickly. 
considering our hospitals are overrun with the new variant. She is only 54 and is double injected. The cancer is spreading fast, unfortunately. She had the top right lobe of her lung removed and is starting chemo next week. Her thoracic surgeon asked her, uh, is she, if she was, vaccinated, quote unquote. She stated that she had two shots and that she wasn't taking any more. He actually said to her, quote, well, that is your choice, but you know if you get COVID, it will kill you, unquote. Paula said, wow, no kidding. <laughs> these, these people, I'll tell you what, man, these people, I mean, they have to be jabbed themselves, don't they? The doctors themselves, they have absolutely no idea what's, what's taking place here. She continued and she said, I'm trying my best to wake those around me at work when I can. Very delicately, I realize my limitations. My one boss just had his fourth shot two weeks ago before Christmas. Uh, he is one of the lost souls, quote unquote. And then, of course, she said that she's willing to come back on the show. And we talked about different phone plans and what that would mean because I don't want it to cost her anything, of course. But yeah, I'd love to have her back on the show uh, and, and give us, again, her perspective and the Canadian perspective as to what's happening there. We know, of course, that the euthanasia aspect has been ramped up and endless hospitals, again, are, are promoting that as much as they can because they have to be receiving a monetary kickback for, again, not providing an actual cure to anything or, or a reliable treatment of any kind, but they're basically saying, hey, look, if you're sick or you can't afford it or you're depressed, we can kill you. And, uh, you know, head on down the hall and right into this door and, and sign this piece of paper and we'd be happy to take your life for a certain amount of money. And again, the amount of money that they receive when it comes to engaging in the euthanasia practice has to be exorbitant, but it's disgusting. So there you go. But just a quick email update there from Paula. And again, I'm, I'm glad she reached back out to me. Um, okay. Moving on here. A quick story. I thought this was very cool. And this, again, really telling as to how many students can actually do this if they want to, in particular, of course, college and university students. Uh, this is from the New York Post from earlier last week, or late last week, rather, but ex-Virginia Tech soccer player who refused Black Lives Matter kneel gets $100,000 in a settlement. It says a former Virginia Tech soccer player who accused her coach of benching her when she refused to kneel during a pregame social justice demonstration will get $100,000 under a lawsuit settlement, a new report says. Kirsten Henning is receiving the money after agreeing to dismiss the federal lawsuit she filed in 2021 against head coach Charles Chugger Adar. I'm saying that right. On First Amendment grounds, the Roanoke Times reported. The settlement included no admission of wrongdoing by either Henning or her former coach, said her lawyer Cameron Norris to the outlet. Henning claimed that she was benched after Adar became frustrated by her political views, which often differed from those of her teammates. Henning had specifically refused to kneel during a social justice demonstration in support of the Black Lives Matter movement in 2020. First of all, good for her. I mean, the story continues and the, the, the case continues, but 
This is what everybody needs to do in the face of tyranny. You have got to stand up. You have got to stand for what you know to be 100% accurate. Again, she walked away from a game she plays, probably costing her a scholarship, whatever it may have been. Well, now she has a hundred grand in her back pocket. And everybody knows that she was in the right. Because you can't kick people off of anything for expressing themselves. And just because she didn't bend the knee, again, doesn't make her the enemy. Everybody who bent the knee is a coward. That's, that's all that means. And she's, she's the lone non-coward on the whole team. So good for her. Again, sending a serious lesson to countless people and, and all of these quote-unquote student athletes. You don't ever have to bend the knee, but if you did, too bad for you. Because you could have had yourself a hundred grand in your back pocket. There could have been a, a class action lawsuit against Virginia Tech, let alone the entire sports program. But they all missed out. But uh, Kirsten Henning here, well, she got her payday, and rightfully so. You cannot violate the Constitution, and you cannot violate individuals' constitutional rights. Again, those documents are for us as individuals. It's time people start remembering that. Okay. Uh, next thing here, this was, you know, th this was making the rounds on a number of different outlets, and I'm bringing this up too because this right here is a perfect example of of the cover up and and the the word usage that gets used throughout this entire process to rationalize what's actually happening in American public schools. I, again, I saw this on Axios. This was on Gateway Pundit. It's, again, making the rounds on lots of different outlets. But it's titled, America's Public Schools Are Losing Students. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward, and yes, that is exactly what's happening. Shows a map here on Axios. Um, change in public school enrollment from 2009 to 2020. And again, it's decreased pretty much everywhere. And the odd part is that it's Texas that has an increase in public school enrollment by upwards of 10%, which seems odd. And then many blue states and even some red states that are out west with an increase in enrollment. But when you talk about coastal states like Oregon and, uh, and, and California and Alaska and Hawaii, and then of course, New Mexico, and then some of the southern states, and then a lot of the midwestern states all the way up through Maine, you're seeing a dramatic decrease in enrollment, upwards of 14%. Now, you've heard me say, again, 11% is the kicker. And then, of course, on this map, it shows that there's a 29% increase in Washington, D.C. I, I don't believe that for a minute. And you've heard me say that, too. Uh, that's ridiculous that they would be surrounded by states that have a decrease in enrollment, but all of a sudden everybody's just flooding to Washington, D.C. to go get the best education known to man. It's the worst education system that exists outside of New Mexico. So there's no way that that's true, but all of the Midwestern states, for the most part, again, right up through Michigan, Maine, so on and so forth, is, is way above 14%. And you've heard me say again, 11% is the kicker. Once it hits 11%, then they become financially insolvent. I mean, they just can't, they can't fix these problems. But I want you to hear some of the word usage that they use because it's remarkably dismissive. 
And like I said in the last episode, they don't want to they don't want to uh, accept any blame for for what's actually happening because it's not their fault, ladies and gentlemen. It's the invisible pandemic. It says the pandemic quote has supercharged a trend that has plagued districts across the U.S. for years. Students are fleeing public schools. No, it's not because of an invisible pandemic. It's because of the behaviors of the people who work within. It says this, of course, and keep in mind Axios is hard left, but it says why it matters. Public schools lose funding as they lose students, and some schools have been forced to shutter altogether. Uh, They have a bullet point here. It says that disadvantages many millions of students, typically lower income students in cities who can't turn to private schools or homeschooling. Well, that's not true. Because again, if they can read and they can write, they can teach themselves. You've heard me say that a million times on this show. I'm going to keep saying it. The, The individual's brain is a prison cell, and they'll only be able to break through those cell walls, if they start to come to the realization of what they are actually capable of accomplishing by themselves. Now, I know it's not everyone, but the vast majority of individuals who, again, are not medicated or physically handicapped, they can teach themselves. It then goes on here and it says, by the numbers, public schools lost more than a million students from fall of 2019 to the fall of 2020, according to the National Center for Education Statistics. Enrollment fell from 50.8 million to 49.4 million. It was bigger than that. I guarantee it was a larger drop than that. It says, what's happening? Over the last decade, a number of states, including Michigan and New Hampshire, saw enrollment fall primarily due to declining birth rates. Others, like Texas, saw numbers rise due to immigration. So, see, they're they're fully admitting that Texas schools are allowing illegals to enter, but at the exact same time, it's a lot of the people leaving California, going to Texas, and leaving other states and coming to Texas, and then enrolling their children there. The other problem, of course, is that a lot of the people doing that are figuring out that just because a school exists in Texas does not mean that that school is not hard left-wing in their ideologies and teaching all of the garbage that they teach. They are figuring that out. And again, that exists just about everywhere, regardless of the state where a person is actually moving to or attending school. Uh, Let's see here. More bullet points. It says, when the pandemic hit, the public schools were subjected to state and local guidelines. Many of them flip-flopped on virtual versus in-person learning. And of course, they did it poorly. They're not going to say that because, again, they don't want to accept any responsibility. It says widespread teacher and staff shortages exacerbated the problem. Students rapidly fell behind. That pushed frustrated parents to pull their kids out. There's, uh, wow. There's more to that sentence than you could possibly imagine. All they had to do was not wear the masks. All they had to do was not do the distancing. All they had to do was not abuse children and abuse themselves and believe the brainwashing. But that right there shows you that they're not thinking people. It says, as a result, private schools and charter schools gained students. That is true. It says the number of homeschooled students doubled to about 5 million. There you have it. I believe that. 
It says, zoom in. Districts from coast to coast are responding to the exodus by shuttering entire schools, the Wall Street Journal reports. The school board in Jefferson County, Colorado, outside of Denver, voted in November to close 16 schools. St. Paul, Minnesota, last summer closed five schools. The Oakland, California school board last February voted to close seven schools after years of declining enrollment and financial strife. Excellent. These are terrible school districts. That's, that's a good thing. It says major metropolitan areas have been hit the hardest. A Wall Street Journal analysis found that, quote, enrollment fell to roughly 85, fell, I'm sorry, in roughly 85 of the nation's largest 100 public school districts. That's a big deal. It's a good thing. It says enrollment in New York City's public schools, the country's largest school district, dropped by 8.3% from 2020 to 2022, according to a fiscal watchdog funded by the city. It said charter school enrollment in New York City increased roughly 7.8% over the same period. I would agree with that, again, but they will leave even the charter schools and the private schools if they continue to implement the same kinds of nonsense that they implement. Again, whether it's the left-wing ideology or they bring, they bring back the practices of them trying to play doctor, none of it's going to work for them in the long term, not to mention decreased enrollment because of illness and death. You know, the writing is on the wall here. It says it'll take years for some students to recover from pandemic-era learning loss, according to a report from the NWEA, a nonprofit group that administers standardized tests. And then at the end of the article, it says what to watch. The federal government projects that public school enrollment will fall even further to 47.3 million by 2030. Even the districts that have seen rising numbers in recent years are expected to shed students, unquote. If you have, this is amazing, this is just amazing, huge smiles. If you have the federal government even admitting that there's a problem here and there's no way you can fix it, because there isn't a way you can fix this, then it's game over. It's game over for brick-and-mortar K-12 schools, and you've heard me say the only solution is for them to go to online environments, and then they transform the brick-and-mortar school buildings into places where only the physical handicapped attend. So in the future, again, we're talking years from now, but in the future, it is likely that the brick-and-mortar campuses, even at the university level for that matter, will simply house and take in, so to speak, individuals, again, that are physically handicapped, mentally handicapped, or don't have the ability to do things in an online environment from their own home. That's becoming more and more impossible with internet access the way that it is and the acquisition of technology the way that it is, because, again, they'll just be going to a brick and mortar school and using the internet anyway. It's not like they're really going to be having teachers in front of them teaching seven to eight periods a day for 45 minutes per period. It's not going to be your standard school, even in the brick and mortar building, so to speak. It will, it, they, even they will have to reorganize the way that they do their day. So 
this is huge going forward. This is a big, big deal. And they've done it themselves. Again, as we brought up on the Dangerous Info podcast, and Outcast, I think, was the one who mentioned it, this is what happens when you lie. When you lie and you lie and you lie, you're building a house of cards on a bucket of sand as the waves are crashing in. It might look nice and cute right up front, and it might be a nice little, you know, a little patch job over a much larger problem, but it will never last. It just won't. You cannot pass the buck and not accept responsibility decade after decade after decade and expect to expect to survive as a business or a line of work. It won't work that way. So thank God it's falling to pieces because it deserves to fall to pieces. So there you go. Thanks, Axios, even though you're not going to get down to the crux of the matter and you're certainly not going to blame yourselves. But hey, the, the, again, the writing is on the wall and the numbers here, even though they're, they're fudging the numbers a little bit, they're really not lying too much which is kind of nice. Um, okay, shifting gears here. A lot of jab-related stuff now and school-related jab stuff as well. Five college basketball players in Chicago reportedly hospitalized after quote-unquote rigorous workout. This, is, this too is from the Gateway Pundit, and uh, if rigorous workout is going to be the new excuse as opposed to died suddenly, that's really rich, isn't it? It says it's been reported that five members of the Concordia University Chicago basketball team in River Forest were hospitalized after partaking in a rigorous workout. Yeah, I'm sure that was it. According to the Associated Press, the training was a punishment for how the players acted on a recent trip to California where they stayed out past their curfew. Five players were admitted to the hospital between Monday and Wednesday, which caused two men's basketball games to be postponed, the outlet added. Athletic Director Pete Nan, if you say that correctly, or if I'm saying that correctly, wrote a letter to the parents informing them that the team had participated in particularly high-intensity collegiate-level circuit training on December 31st. He then said that there is zero tolerance for harassment or retaliatory actions of any kind in the athletics department and urged players, coaches, and staff to speak out if they see any inappropriate behavior. This is interesting, too. I mean, what a curveball. I'm not denying that maybe these guys were, you know, quote-unquote punished with extra exercise, but they could have stopped if they wanted to, but we also know that they're jabbed. You're talking about a Chicago-based university among their student-athletes, so to speak. What else is it? Again, if they're tired or they're exhausted, then they're going to be tired and exhausted, and they're going to stop, and they're going to say, I quit, I can't do this anymore. But if it's a physical problem, or they're experiencing, again, the beginning stages of myocarditis or any kind of breathing problem, then yeah, they're going to be hospitalized. Because you don't hospitalize somebody for exhaustion. You sit them down on a bench. You, you bend their head between their legs. Uh, you know, blood rushes to their head. You get them some water. They hydrate themselves. Maybe they lie down on the ground for a little while, and then they're okay. These people are jabbed. They're all jabbed. Says the university spokesperson, Eric Matani. No way I'm saying that right. 
uh, confirmed that the head coach, Steve Culler, had been placed on administrative leave following the incident. Okay. That's fine. They're still jabbed. So who's going to be on administrative leave for forcing the jabs on all of the university students, including the student-athletes? I'd like to know the answer to that one, but we're never going to get it. Here's another one. This is an anonymous post, rather, from greatawakening.win. Thought it was interesting and really emblematic of the entire school system as a whole. It says, quote, a 20-year-old brother of a classmate just died suddenly. It says, quote, the headmaster announced to the school that the brother of a student had just died suddenly. I did not like what he said next. He said, quote, please do not discuss the possible reason or do not try to think about what the cause of this death was, unquote. I'm going to read that again. The headmaster of the school openly told students, please do not discuss the possible reason or do not try to think about what the cause of this death was. So don't discuss possible reasons and don't try to think about what it was. Again, if that isn't American schooling in a nutshell, I don't know what is. It continues and it says, unvaccinated students just looked at each other. Reading about died suddenly, quote unquote, is different than seeing it in real life. This is getting sad and scary, unquote. Yeah, it is. You know, something else I mentioned on the Dangerous Info podcast was that when it comes to these student athletes, you know, they have very regimented routines to be repetitive on that, I suppose. They just, you know, there's very few things that they tend to do. They're either in class around their peers, they're either exercising, they're by themselves or with their roommates, wherever it is that they're living. They're practicing or they're playing a game. They are in those areas more times than not, which is rather public. If they drop, people are going to see them dropping. And there are going to be eyes on this as time moves forward. Again, this is not only something that's not going to go away, but they're not going to be able to hide this because it's just going to be more and more public. And again, with every passing year here, it's going to be more evident to more and more people. So, I, I, you know, am I expecting these individuals to come out and admit that they were wrong? No, not necessarily. But if their businesses shutter their doors and close their doors, there's, there's only going to be one reason why that's happening. If their sports programs completely, you know, fold and, and cease to exist, there's only one reason why that's going to be happening. And we know what that is. Again, this has never happened before. Certainly not on this scale. So, as I even said on, on Jesse James's show, an unprecedented event like this in unprecedented times is going to call for an unprecedented response and result and conclusion to all of this. I don't think that we should expect anything else outside of something that we have never seen before when it comes to the conclusion of what is going to happen regarding all of this. Again, whether that be the, en the end of the NFL and the end of sports as we know it, so be it. 
If that means the end of brick-and-mortar education as we know it, so be it. How do you even trust these people anymore? It blows me away. I'm shocked that people still send their children there. But of course, they're doing it because they don't know any better. They don't know what's really going on. Now, this next post, this one is funny. This one's really funny and also very telling of the retail business because, again, it's chaotic. The turnover rate among, again, brick and mortar store employees has got to be huge, not just because they push the jabs, but because it's a miserable working environment because, again, it's, it's basically condoned slavery and sanctioned slavery. Uh, this is a lengthy post again from Great Awakening. Win. Very interesting and pretty funny, I think, but 100% true. No reason to, to doubt this. I've heard of countless other individuals who have walked into retail stores and they've said it's just gone to hell. But apparently it's occurring among the employees. So here's what it says it says, quote, it's titled this Is the entire country going bananas? Reporting in from the front lines of retail. I love stories like this. I love them. I had, uh, I mean, there were endless stories like this in the Storm Storm book series, which by the way, if I didn't say that already on a past episode, the Storm book series is free, ladies and gentlemen. It's on my website, 14 volumes, uh, all in PDF format. Please check it out on AmericanEducationFM.com if you want your copies. Go and get them. It's an awesome and very educational time capsule as to what was going on beginning in March of 2020 all the way through Easter Sunday of 2021 with daily accounts of what was taking place both in the news and, again, cue drops and memes and all of that stuff and and stories just like this, not to mention a lot of investigations into Fauci and Pfizer and you name it. So. If you're interested in that, again, it's free and it's on my website. Okay, here's what the post says. It says, quote, this is just great. It says, I got my first retail job post-COVID not that long ago. Uh, Now I have worked a lot of retail jobs, but what I am seeing now is not like anything I've ever seen before. So I show up to my first real day of work after job training. I talk to the manager. She tells me right out that right out of the gate that she has been in that position for only 4 months. When she got there, the two other managers that are supposed to help her train are gone. One out sick and one quit. Then she tells me that since she's worked in that department, 10 people have quit. One had a mother who got sick, so she's moving. Two people just stopped coming in without even a phone call, and one of those people had been a 10-year employee, but they just one day stopped showing up. One person went on a lunch break and never came back. One had a nervous breakdown on her shift and walked off the job. I am working with mask tards and non-mask tards. However, most of these people are libs, and they are vaxxed even the ones not masking up. In my blue shithole, many people are vaxxed, it says. Manager also tells me that they have a son who is about to be their daughter. (laughs) He just can't make this up. 
You can't possibly make this up. I mean, you could, I guess, but this is creative if they're making it up. But this is just too good. Because it's just, it's a giant snapshot of reality right now. <laughs> I mean, masking, jabbing, people walking off the job, losing their minds. Later on, they talk about working with people that sound like zombies. And now, the manager has a son who's decided that they're going to attempt to change their gender and think that they're a woman. Good God. <laughs> this is just perfect. It continues, it says... Uh, that they're going to be, uh, that they're about to be their daughter when they turn 18 and is going to get hormones and all that. Manager is proud of their kid. Lovely. It then says, Many people I work with are doing this weird thing where they start a sentence and then they keep talking faster and more incoherently until they trail off, rambling and mumbling. I can't understand shit they're saying. Then I noticed customers kind of doing the same thing. I also noticed too many people with hand tremors. Lots of people moving and talking really slow like they're underwater. I am told to work on a display with this woman who seems very sweet. She is older and silver-haired, and she wears a mask. Uh, a props of nothing. I don't know what that means. She starts saying... Meow, 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 all in quotes, for like two straight minutes. Every day so far I come home from this jab. I have post-nasal gunk in the back of my throat and feel cruddy a little bit. And I never get this, only when I go to work. So I think it's the shedding. I didn't used to believe in the shedding, but now I'm beginning to suspect it's real. Oh, it's very real. It's been scientifically proven to be the case, no doubt. It continues, it says, I got done with my shift and went to the grocery store, and since the last time I was there, the price of eggs has doubled. Doubled. Groceries are getting so expensive, I don't know how much more of this crap I can take. People around here are liberal nutcases, and they act like everything is perfectly normal and fine, which somehow makes it all worse. Is anyone else noticing that society at large has gone effing bonkers, or is it just because I live in liberal shithole USA? Unquote. No, you're not alone. You're definitely not alone. This is, <laughs> again, this is just priceless. This is happening everywhere. It's happening all over the place. Again, I live in a red state in a red county, and yeah, it's a university town with a lot of left-wing nutjobs. But it's happening here, too. One of the other observations that I've heard people make regarding retail stores in particular is that they'll walk in and they'll notice that none of the t-shirts are folded anymore. They're just thrown on the floor. You know, again, they used to hire individuals to just do that kind of pick up after stupid customers who would just throw things on the floor, hold up a shirt and see if it would fit and then toss it on the floor, not even not even bother folding it and putting it back. The floors of these places are just getting dirty. I mean, I've walked into my local Kroger's and the floor is disgusting. I mean, they used to have people buffing it and doing all kinds of things. And instead of changing the floor during the quote-unquote pandemic when not a lot of people were shopping there, 
what did what did they do instead of changing the floor out to a nicer floor? All they did was is they put in more of those uh, robot kiosk things that hardly anybody uses, and they never even keep them open. Not to mention, they're down to like two individuals working at the uh, at the checkout, and they've also implemented, I might add, if I didn't mention this earlier, one of those giant conveyor belt self checkout things, where again you you know you check yourself out and then you throw things on the conveyor belt and then they all crush into each other at the very end and then you're the one who bags it all. I mean, they're purposely turning their entire business into a robot-based business where people aren't going to be able to work there anymore. It's almost as if they know that pushing the jabs on their employees was going to make them sick and kill them, which means they're complicit in all of this. It just blows me away. This is absolutely incredible, but I love stories like that. I love I love the inside look of particular workplaces and what's going on. Again, it's qualitative and reasoning and analysis right down to the bone, and it's, it's just perfect. It's perfect. Those observations are priceless. All right. Staying on the jab line here, this too from the Gateway Pundit, and I want to play the audio associated with this. And you're going to hear again some... Some truth, and then, of course, not even half-truth, but just some blatant lies with what this individual says. But again, they're making a big deal out of it because this is a person who wrote, who was a medical doctor, who was the lead author of a peer-reviewed article that basically has expired now and gotten far worse. They they were calling for individuals in in this peer-reviewed article of theirs to not take these shots anymore because they are poison. And the serious adverse events outnumber any benefit, so people should stop taking them and they should be pulled off the shelves. Uh, but, but again, I want to play his audio because he mentions some things that are not real. Even though, again, it's, it's, a, it's a decent message and he's right about them not needing, you know, these shots not needing to exist, but even so. It's titled Huge, Lead Author of Peer-Reviewed Research re-examining Pfizer and Moderna mRNA vaccine trials calls for immediate suspension due to serious adverse events. So I'm just going to play his audio right here off the top and give this guy a listen, and then I'll jump in at the end and, again, just make a few corrections is all. Hello, my name is Dr. Joseph Raymond. I'm an emergency physician based in Louisiana. In addition, I am a clinical scientist. I was the lead author of a peer-reviewed study that reanalyze the original Pfizer and Moderna clinical trials for the messenger RNA COVID-19 vaccines. We found the vaccine increased serious adverse events at a rate of 1 in 800. At the time of publication, my co-authors and I did not believe our single study warranted the withdrawal of the messenger RNA vaccines from the market. However, since its publication, multiple new pieces of evidence have come to light, and this has caused me to reevaluate position. An article published in the BMJ regarding the FDA's own observational surveillance data on the messenger RNAs were associated with multiple the exact same serious adverse events identified in our original study. But the FDA had failed to inform the public. In addition, now we have multiple autopsy studies to find essentially conclusive evidence that the vaccines are inducing sudden cardiac deaths. 
Yet the rate of these vaccine-induced deaths remains unknown. While many nations that have been using the messenger RNA vaccines have experienced an increase in excess mortality, more people dying than should be expected from past years. And this correlates in time with the initial vaccine rollout and then with the subsequent booster campaign. Nations with higher messenger RNA vaccine uptake have correlations with higher rates of excess mortality. While the cause of this excess mortality is not Researchers analyzing this data were unable to identify any other reasonable cause of the excess death other than the vaccines. Given now that Omicron variant is less virulent and is able to evade much of the protection offered by the vaccines, this creates a situation where the benefits of the vaccine have been dramatically reduced in, for hospitalization and death. Together, this information calls into question if the vaccine's benefits are outweighing harm. I believe, given the information, the messenger RNA vaccines need to be withdrawn from the market until new randomized controlled trials can clearly demonstrate the benefits of the vaccine outweigh the serious harm we now know the vaccines are causing. Dr. Joseph Freeman there. Okay. First of all, one of the things I think that we're likely to see too in the future when it comes to these peer-reviewed research articles and certainly these journal outlets are basic literature reviews of the early reports or early studies that were conducted regarding these bioweapon shots and the impacts that they were having on people. And then rewriting the conclusions to basically say these were early studies, they were quick on the draw, they were inaccurate, and now they're, they're basically stale. They're completely stale. They've just gone bad. The results in them are, are not accurate, in particular from a long-term standpoint. And I might add, Anthony Fauci's hit, uh, face is in my head right now, because he, he back in the old HIV AIDS days, he himself said that the reason that they didn't come up with an HIV related vaccine was because it's just too dangerous. I mean, of all people, but he, he actually did say that. He said, you know, if we give it to 500 people, uh, you know, in a couple of months, they seem fine. Well, that's great. Well, then we give it to a thousand people a few months later and they seem fine and that's great. But ultimately what happens month and month and year after year after year on down the line when they just keep giving it to more and more people means that the very first people that were given it start to become ill. Well, what does that mean then for the next group of individuals who received it? It's the same mentality when it comes to these journal articles. These journal articles, again, that were written back in 2020, very quickly, and same thing with 2021, they've all gone stale now. So they were all wrong for the most part. The ones that, again, were promoting the jabs and saying it's, it's beneficial and the benefits outweigh the harm, so to speak. Uh, th that, again, was something that even the doctor here just said, that the, the harm outweighs the benefits. Well, he's still wrong. Yes, the harm outweighs the benefits, but there are no benefits. That's the hard line that these people have got to start taking. There are zero benefits. Zero. 
He also, of course, agrees or believes, rather, in the uh, Omicron variant lie. There's no such thing. There are no variants. There is no Omicron, Delta, Gamma, whatever the hell. None of it exists. It's all fake. It's just poisoning. And the reason that they created those names was because they kept delivering their poison to people, as I said earlier, as time was going on. So they had to change the name to justify their poisoning of people and to trick people into receiving said poison. Well, it worked. People went, oh, wait a minute, there's the Delta variant. I'd better go get my, my next one. Oh my God, Omicron, where's my booster? Please give me my booster now. So how are those people doing now? Because they're not talking about variants anymore other than this particular number, which ironically is 11.3, which was also associated with endless Q drops. So there's a lot here. There's a lot of hidden messages here, but the one fact remains it's poison. And when you take poison, you cannot... You cannot justify the taking of poison and then at the exact same time say, well, the benefits don't outweigh the harm. It's still poison. And this, again, is, is the problem with the brainwashing within the medical industry is these people believe that viruses are real. They are not. There's just poison. There are no variants. It's just different poisoned cells inside of different people at different times. And then they say, oh, well, it's a variant. No, there's no variants. Never have been. It's just that maybe a larger person or a person of a different race or a person of a different sex at a, you know, at a different time in history received maybe a different kind of shot. And now that cell looks slightly different. And we've seen that enough in order to falsely categorize it as a variant. So. The variant lie is, is nothing but deception, and it always has been for the purpose of tricking people into taking more as time goes on. So that's about it. Good for him for coming around. Good for him for figuring it out. He's probably jabbed himself, if I had to take a guess. But uh, he should be concerned, because now his eyes are open, and he's not going to be able to close them at this point. Here's the actual article, too, that he was referencing that he was the lead author on. And there were one, two, three, four, five, six other authors. It is, it's in the journal Vaccine, and it is titled Serious Adverse Events of Special Interest Following MRNA COVID-19 Vaccination in Randomized Trials in Adults. And again, that was received on May 31st of 2022. And it was published later that month. Uh, let's see, August 31st of 2022 is when it was published. So even that particular article has, has gone stale now because it's far worse than what he could even imagine. So there you go. Okay. Next. And this right here, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't get any clearer than this, does it? This comes from the expose, January 9th. CDC, UK government, and Oxford University confirm COVID vaccination does not work and has potentially lethal and fatal consequences. 
It says several scientific studies have emerged that call into question the safety and efficacy of COVID-19 vaccines, raising alarm bells about the potential harm they may cause and their ability to prevent infection and transmission. The findings of these studies are disturbing and suggest that vaccinated individuals may be at a higher risk of contracting and spreading the alleged COVID-19 virus. Well, I don't know about that, but I do know that they're more likely to have serious health effects if not pass away. It says they also suggest that the vaccines may increase susceptibility to infection, of course. Snaps your DNA in half, gives you AIDS, etc., etc. It says these revelations have serious implications for the still ongoing vaccination efforts and call into question the wisdom of ever mandating the public to take these experimental injections because the evidence is now clear. According to three individual studies published in the U.S. Centers for Disease Control, the U.K. government and Oxford University COVID-19 vaccines are harmful and ineffective. Again, they have a list of the CDC study right here along with the summary, the Oxford University study along with the findings of that, and then the UK Department of Health and Social Care study with the results of that as well. And then, of course, the conclusion, it says, the evidence presented in these studies is disturbing and raises serious concerns about the safety and efficacy of the, yeah, we got it. We got it. We know what's going on. We've known for a very long time, but again, the dam has burst here, and there's there's no there's no patching it up. You can't put chewing gum on this hole. It's way too big. It's way too big. Speaking of that, the Twitter files. This is massive too, and it's only going to get worse. In fact, I think that the Twitter files are being used as a pump fake for for deep state players and individuals. We've heard again that the Fauci files and and Fauci specifically being at the forefront of this cover up and being a part of it are going to come out on Twitter anytime now. I said it last week cuz I thought it was going to be last week it wasn't. Um it hasn't come out thus far, which again would indicate that it's it's being used as a pump fake to get the deep state to do something or behave in a particular way in order to expose them further. But with that aside, Alex Berenson on Twitter is is partially responsible now for releasing these next files. And there's a number of, of things here, and I just want to read through a few of his posts. His first one says, My first Twitter files report how Scott Gottlieb, a top Pfizer board member, used the same Twitter lobbyist as the White House to suppress debate on COVID vaccines, including from a fellow head of the United States Food and Drug Administration. And then they have the emails associated with it, which he's put up on his substack. It says in August of 2021, Gottlieb told Todd O'Boyle, a senior manager in Twitter's public policy department, that a tweet from Dr. Somebody, Groyer, not sure, claiming correctly that natural immunity was superior to vaccine immunity was uh, corrosive and might go viral, quote unquote. Yep, that natural immunity actually exists, number one. And number two, that would negate anybody ever needing to plunge a needle into their arm, let alone why a person would do it beyond, is beyond me, but uh, there you go. 
The third post says Twitter uh, put a misleading tag on the tweet, preventing it from being shared. Gottlieb then went after a tweet about COVID's low risk to kids from at Justin underscore Hart. Pfizer would, would soon win the okay for its mRNA shots for children, so keeping parents scared was crucial. That too proves that keeping parents scared was a part of the was a part of the entire ploy. Not to mention, outside of their own doctors, who are parents who have, of course, children because they're parents, who are they more likely to communicate with in the public eye beyond their own doctors, their school teachers, and their administrators? They're more likely to contact those individuals next and start asking them a bunch of panicked questions about something that's not even real. That, of course, sucked in the entire school apparatus, and the school apparatus panicked, and then, of course, they started promoting the masks and the jabs, and it's all downhill from there. The fourth post says, in October of 2022, at Scott Gottlieb, MD, claimed on Twitter and CNBC that he was not trying to suppress debate on mRNA jabs. These files prove that Gottlieb, board member at a company that has made $70 billion on the shots, did just that. And then again, he's got the full story on alexberenson.substack.com. So there you have it. It's Again, it's not, uh, not going to get better. These revelations are going to get worse. We've known, again, from dating over a year ago with those Fauci emails, that Fauci knew exactly what was going on and was not responding to medical doctors who he knew and who knew him when they were saying, hey, man, look, what are you doing here? Uh, This has HIV properties from the standpoint of permanently damaging people's RNA and DNA. What What is it that's going on here and why are you on my television all the time promoting this? Because they're puppets and they're paid and they're psychopaths. And that's what's going on. Uh, Here's another one. This is from, quote, the second smartest guy in the world on Substack. And it's titled, and this again is back from September 11th, 11th of 2022. It's titled, All Vaccines Are Unsafe and Ineffective, Things You Should Know About Traditional Vaccines. And he basically just carbon copies uh, or cut and pastes Dr. Vernon Coleman and Let's see, seven different points that Vernon Coleman brings up as to why all vaccines are poison. I'm not going to read through them, but it, you know, it's pretty self-explanatory. There's this too, before I wrap up. I have two more things I want to mention here. There's a Rasmussen poll, which again, I've mentioned one of the Rasmussen polls from the past. This is another one. This again has to do with a demographic breakdown of Democrats combined with election integrity combined with vaccination storylines. And a lot of a lot of that all smashed together basically. But I want to read this particular tweet from Rasmussen Reports. Uh it says the the following here. It says Democrats equal key COVID nineteen vaccine customers. We we knew this. It says eighty five percent of Democrats are now vaccinated. It says 51% believe that the vax has caused significant numbers of deaths. 44% say vax safety concerns are legitimate. 
33% say they personally know someone who died from Vax side effects. And 31 had Vax side effects themselves. 6% of them were major side effects. So again, it gets into a few other issues here too. Uh, it says the following. The Democrat view... Arizona election integrity and vaccine side effects. It says 69% of Democrats nationally agree with the statement about the election problems in Arizona. Quote, this isn't about Republicans or Democrats. This is about our sacred right to vote, a right that many voters were, sadly, deprived of on November 8th, unquote. So that's 69% of Democrats believe that. That's good. Again, the mainstream media would believe that we are in the minority. That is not the case. The next one says 65% of Democrats nationally agree with Republicans in Arizona who say problems with the election in Maricopa County prevented many people from voting. That was 65% of Democrats. The next one, 85% of Democrats nationally say they have been vaccinated, but 44% of Democrats now agree that there are legitimate reasons to be concerned about the safety of COVID-19 vaccines, while 46% of Democrats believe that people who worry about vaccine safety are spreading conspiracy theories. The next one says 51% of Democrats nationally believe it is likely that the vaccines have caused a significant number of unexplained deaths, and 40% of Democrats do not. 33% of Democrats nationally believe that someone they know may have died from side effects of the COVID-19 vaccine, while 62% do not. 26% of Republicans and independents believe that someone they know have died, may have died, from side effects of the vaccine, and 63% of Republicans and 60% of independents do not know anyone they believe died from side effects of the vaccine. It then wraps up and says 31% of COVID-19 vaccinated Democrats nationally say they experienced minor side effects from their vaccination. 6% of Democrats say they experienced major side effects. 61% of Democrats say they experienced no side effects from the vaccination, unquote. Again, I think that the likelihood of them experiencing side effects from the vaccination is next to 100%. Because most people took two shots, sort of right in the middle there. Yes, there were people who took one, they got sick, maybe they even got myocarditis, maybe they're even dead. That has happened. But a great deal of people took two because out of the gate, everybody was told that it's going to be two that you're going to have to take in order to be considered, quote unquote, fully vaccinated, fully filled with the bio jabs. And then, of course, the third shot was on the other end of that spectrum. And then, of course, if anybody was dumb enough to take more than that, well, you know, rest in peace. Um, I think that more than 61% of Democrats have experienced side effects because they're saying against 61% of Democrats say they, that they have experienced no side effects. I don't believe that. Most people experienced bad side effects either after the first or second shot. And, and that right there is almost a 100% certainty. Even if it meant fatigue, not being able to move, uh, you know, feeling achy all over, feeling ill, lightheaded, brain fog, whatever. 
I think now what we're bumping up against to in, in, in some of these polls is just cognitive dissonance and an inability to tell the truth. They're purposefully lying. They're just saying, no, I didn't experience any side effects. I'm 100% fine. We know that's not true. And again, just like a flu shot, a lot of people take flu shots, they become remarkably ill. They in their heads believe that that's them getting stronger. And that's their immune system working overtime to, you know, get get stronger and that means the that means my immune system is working. That's <laughs> that's not what that means. So, I don't know. I like the polls. I think they're interesting. I think they're going to become more and more favorable to the unjabbed, less and less favorable to the jabbed, and it's going to get worse from there. I've got two more things here that I want to bring up. This comes from Dr. Joseph Mercola, and it is titled, and again, it falls perfectly in line with that article that I linked in the last episode, which again, I highly recommend reading, but it's titled, Propaganda Perpetuates the Pandemic and Censorship. And as we know, this is a big, big deal, and all of this was planned out in advance to, again, trick the masses into taking the government-sanctioned poison. Uh, th- th- this, uh, this kind of a scheme and this kind of a plan cannot be understated, and, and people have got to start learning that all of these things are planned out well in advance because they, they know that if they set things up a particular way, then the vast majority, which of course is what they want, they want everybody to fall for what it is that they're selling people. But they know that at the very least, they can try to get the majority to fall for it because if particular dominoes start falling, it forces individuals to make decisions that they wouldn't have normally made. And of course, we've watched that now over the last three years here, and it's been horrific. Um, that's not going to change, unfortunately. I think that's going to continue to happen. And one of the predictions I might add before I read these, the story at a glance here is that one of the predictions that was made was that initially they're not going to start blaming the jabs. What they're going to do is, is they're just going to start mentioning all of these different names of these different illnesses that they're just making up out of nowhere. They're going to start saying, well, we're seeing a rise in this particular kind of condition. It's a rare condition, but we're starting to see a rise in that. Point being that they're just passing the buck and they're they're just going to use their their word and medical manipulation as much as they can without arriving at the very simple truths that we all, of course, all know because, again, you've been listening to this show and countless other shows and hearing a number of different people talk about it, but it's just flat out poison. It really is that simple, and poison has a number of different reactions in a number of different humans at a number of different times. That's the property of poison. That's, that's what it does. So here's the story at a glance from Dr. Mercola regarding the propaganda of all of this. It says, COVID-19 is the largest, most sophisticated propaganda operation in history. Psychological techniques were extensively used during 2020 to incite fear and panic in the population. Propaganda strategies were also used to get people to support and defend irrational COVID measures such as masking, isolation, social distancing, lockdowns, and and jab mandates. It says, what made COVID propaganda so much more effective than any previous propaganda operation is the fact that a virus is a perfect enemy. It's invisible. 
could be carried by anyone, including those you love and most, or those you love the most, rather, and could get you anywhere. He put get in quotes. Of course, you take that line right there that he just said, and there's two more points here, but you take that line right there, the virus is a fake story. Viruses, again, do not exist. They are not real. So you take a fake story and you perpetuate a fake story over the course of 100 plus years, and what are you going to get? You normalize that particular story, you're going to get people who believe it. Because let's not kid ourselves, the only thing that anybody has seen regarding quote-unquote coronavirus is a CGI image on their television. That's serious brainwashing right there. It continues, it says, Classical rhetoric is about persuasion through argument. It appeals to logic. Propaganda, on the other hand, is a kind of subrational manipulation that appeals only to our most basic instincts, such as fear. An informal, an informal definition of propaganda is, quote, an organized attempt to get people to think or do something, or not think or do something, unquote. The final point then says, a great lie is possible because the more divorced a lie is from reality, the more likely it is to succeed. As most people are reluctant to think that authority figures would lie and completely ignore reality. Unquote. The answer, of course, to all of that is that yes, government would lie because that's what they're designed to do. That is the entire point. And this too was one of the things that the founders warned us about, in particular when it came to government funded organizations like this. That when the government starts funding private organizations, they become dependent on one another to sell whatever it is that they're trying to sell. It's been working for a very, very long time. It's been remarkably deadly. In fact, I would go so far as to say it's the deadliest scheme that has ever existed in the course of human history, in particular the medical industry. Because doctors and nurses are responsible for killing more people in every country over the well existence of their profession than any other profession that exists through malpractice and through believing things that aren't aren't real it really is that simple so with all of that said here's what i'd like to here's what i'd like to do in conclusion i would like to bring this up cuz this is a massive loss and it's a and it's remarkably important from a historic perspective to bring this up Lynette Hardaway, who was known as Diamond from Diamond and Silk, passed away. The cause of her death is unknown. It's pretty evident that she was not jabbed. There were a great deal of Twitter posts and uh, truth posts that, that Diamond and Silk had made over the years that would clearly indicate that they were not jabbed. Um, this is a big loss because... The impact that Lynette Hardaway had on Donald Trump getting elected was enormous, in particular when it came to galvanizing Americans from different races together to vote out Hillary Clinton. Again, it, it depends on how you look at it. You know, you can hate on Trump all you'd like, that's fine. 
I understand a lot of that. At the exact same time, she galvanized a great deal of individuals in the quote-unquote black community. And I'm using that phrase loosely because I don't like that phrase. But individuals, again, who were just tired and angry. And she was a voice for those people who were tired and angry. And, and you cannot discredit that or discount the importance of that whatsoever. I'll also mention this because it'll, it speaks directly to the character of these two women. These two women were offered hundreds of thousands of dollars by Fox News after the 2020 election to discredit Donald Trump and to do whatever they had to do to basically be controlled by Fox News in order to say that there was not voter fraud and that it was not stolen by the media and it wasn't stolen by Fox News and it wasn't stolen by Joe Biden. All of that, again, was thrown Diamond and Silk's way in the form of money by Fox News if they just went along with it. And Diamond and Silk told them to go straight to hell. And they didn't do it. They said, we love Donald Trump. We love America. We know there was voter fraud. We're not doing it. And they walked away from a great deal of money. That right there should tell people that these were patriotic Americans. And Lynette Hardaway, of course, now passing, was, was a patriotic American who just wanted to help people, wake people up to the lies, the deception. And as they were learning more, they were sharing what they were learning. That, that is, that's biblical. That is biblical stuff right there. So again, she's in heaven. She knows the truth about what's going on 100%. She's at peace. I have no doubt about it. Um, I saw them recently in, in, a, in a recent episode that they were doing, I believe on Rumble, if I'm not mistaken. She looked different to me. She looked she she looked thinner than she had in in past years, and she looked a little different. But again, apparently, it wasn't long after that 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 she had passed away, and again, she just passed away on on Monday night. But uh, rest in peace, without a doubt. Their Give Send Go page is up and running. They're up they're upwards of uh, dollars. I highly recommend making a donation. I will be doing the same. And uh, I'll put that in the description below if anyone is is interested. But we lost we lost a patriot in this war here, and people can make fun of whatever they want, but you can never discredit the voice of an American in particular when they care about their country and they care about their people and they know what's going on. They were they were beyond instrumental in in shifting the narrative away from Democrats controlling countless Americans and copious amounts of Americans for decades and decades and decades. And of course, they found themselves on the stage with Donald Trump throughout his 2016 campaign, and then the entire time that he was president as well. And God bless their hard work, both collectively and individually. It, uh, it's history book stuff. There's no doubt about it. And there are a lot of people out there just like them, working just as hard, who again, don't have the public notoriety and aren't in the public eye, so to speak, and God bless them too. But we, lo we lost a soldier in the war here. And again, I will link the description below of this episode to the Give, Send, Go of uh, Lynette Hardaway.
Uh, with that said, I'll catch you on Friday. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.